This is the Apex United Methodist Church podcast. Uh, well, this morning we're going to be wrapping up a sermon series uh, that we've been doing throughout the month of November uh, that is simply called Terrible Thanks for Asking. And uh, we've been having a conversation really about what we do uh, when the question is asked of us, you know, how are you? You know, and, and our response often falls somewhere between uh, I'm fine or I'm well or I'm good uh, to something like uh, actually I'm terrible. Uh, yeah, thanks for asking. And for most of us, we, we live in between those two spaces. Uh, we live, live between a space where uh, we can both authentically say uh, things are good. Uh, there's a lot I have to be thankful for. Uh, there, are, there are many things that we can rejoice in. And also, uh, there's some things that are heavy, the things that aren't easy, the things that are not uh, always uh, simple for us uh, to hold on to. And so uh, we, we live in these space, and part of what we're hoping to do as a church for these three weeks is just have a conversation about how we, uh, as Christ followers uh, particularly, and as we, as a body of Christ collectively, might uh, go through those times and journey with those times uh, when this is happening uh, with us. Uh, so this morning, we're going to continue that conversation. We started a few weeks ago with All Saints Sunday and talked uh, about what it means uh, to have loss. Hey, John, do you want me to use the pulpit mic instead of the over the ear? All right, we'll just do that. Perfect. And I'll stay, I'll stay as close as I can. This, will be a, this is a real challenge, too. So not only do I have kids that I have to, now I have to like, stay close to Mike. This is good. Good test for me today. Um, and so part of what we hope to do is we're going to continue this conversation. And we talked about what it meant to lose people on All Saints Sunday and what it means, uh, particularly at Thanksgiving and Christmas, uh, to go through a season where uh, our tables aren't the way we thought they might be, uh, whether through loss, uh, through broken relationships, whatever that may look like. Uh, we also uh, talked last week about uh, when our lives and our dreams for our lives uh, didn't look the way we hoped they might, uh, when we thought they might look a particular way, and, and that's not what came true. Uh, and this morning, we're going to spend a lot of time uh, on uh, mental illness in particular, a topic that uh, culturally we don't talk a lot about, although we're starting to talk more about, uh, and particularly in the church, is not something we often uh, bring to the surface. And so we want to uh, spend some time this morning having that conversation uh, as a church family and what it means to be people who both are impacted by it ourselves, uh, mental health and mental, mental illness, as well as caring for those uh, who are uh, impacted by uh, mental suffering and mental illness. Um, a few things this morning as we get started. One, uh, I recognize that this is not something that we can adequately cover in a 15 to 20 minute sermon. Uh, we, we are, are going to be incomplete in our ability to, to cover all the pieces and spaces uh, of uh, this conversation. And so uh, just know that. It's part of why we've put resources on the back of your bulletin this morning. It's part of why the website uh, is up. Uh, also this morning, we will have uh, con uh, congregational care folks that are here, as well as our Stephen ministry team that's here. So if you want <clears throat> to need to continue this conversation, uh, there'll be resources here for that as well. Also, something that's really important, I think, for you to hear uh, from, from me, from, from our team, uh, <clears throat> is we also recognize there's not a simple solution all the time uh, to mental suffering and mental illness. Uh, it is not an A plus B plus C uh, equals D, which is health and wholeness. And so there will not be a prescriptive solution today. Uh, it will not be a, if you do this, then this will happen. Uh, that's certainly not our intent. Uh, however, uh, we do think there's some ways that we can hear what God says about this. This is not a new thing. Uh, and also what we as a church might do together uh, to collectively uh, hold each other, come alongside of each other uh, throughout this journey. And so that really is our hope. And my hope is you'll hear three things. Uh, the first is my hope that you'll be reminded 
um, that no matter what you're going through, no matter what you're going through personally, uh, what you're going through with your family or your friends or your community, uh, that you're not alone, uh, that there are other people going through similar things. And while it might be unique, uh, there are other folks that also are treading these journeys. Uh, the second thing I hope you hear uh, is how God responds uh, in these spaces. We're going to spend a lot of time in Scripture today uh, talking about how God responds when we are at our worst, when we feel at our heaviest or in our depths. Uh, and the third thing is to give you resources to continue this conversation. So that really is our hope uh, and our plan this morning. And we're going to begin with Scripture. And we're going to begin in Psalm uh, chapter 13. So I invite you, if you'd like to read along with me, uh, to open your Bibles to Psalm 13 this morning. <clears throat> Uh, there are pew Bibles in your pews. The words will also be on the screens uh, in front of you today. Uh, and this psalm is a psalm from David. And you heard me, you may have heard me, I'll reference this uh, with our kids today. But David uh, was a king. Uh, David was one particularly anointed by God, uh, called out by God uh, to serve God's people. Uh, he was one that was known uh, to be uh, after God's own heart. He was one of God's beloved. And, and yet even David, uh, who... Uh, was a king, had wealth, had resources, had anything that you might ever need or desire, also had great times of depth and despair, great times of brokenness. And so this is one of those times when David, in a moment of authenticity, a moment of prayer to God, really began to name the depth he was in. So this is Psalm 13, a Psalm of David. I hear this word. How long, O Lord? Will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I bear pain in my soul and have sorrow in my heart all day long? How long shall my enemy be exalted over me? Consider and answer me, O Lord my God. Give light to my eyes, where I will sleep the sleep of death, and my enemy will say, I have prevailed. My foes will rejoice because I am shaken. But I trusted in your steadfast love. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord because he has dealt bountifully with me. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long must I bear pain in my soul? How long will I bear sorrow in my heart all day long? Uh, these do not always sound like the words of someone uh, who had it all. Uh, someone who had resources at his disposal. Someone who was uh, beloved by God. Someone uh, who, quite frankly, probably could do anything uh, that he desired and the kingdom would uh, wrap themselves around him. And yet, uh, these are the words of David, uh, God's beloved. And I think for many of us, uh, these could be our words as well. At different points in our lives, or, uh, either we ourselves uh, have felt distant uh, from God. Uh, we have felt distant from God's purposes, maybe distant from God's providence. Well, we've known people who have felt that weight, uh, that darkness, that heaviness, that burden uh, that comes under the strains and the twists and turns of our lives. Uh, David gets to a point later in the psalm where, in verse 4, he says, My foes will rejoice because I am shaken. For David, the very foundation on which he stood, the, uh, the stronghold on which he could hold a confidence in, uh, was shaken. 
And again, I think for many of us, we either know that feeling ourselves or uh, are, are with people who feel that way, where our foundation, the thing we have felt most confident in, uh, whether it's our family uh, or our children or our grandchildren or our spouse uh, or our jobs, our vocation, our community, feels like uh, it's shaking beneath us, that it's no longer stable, it's no longer sturdy. And again, if David can feel this way, clearly uh, we ourselves uh, know that that's true for many of us, that we feel like things aren't quite uh, what I hoped they would be. Things aren't quite as secure or sturdy uh, that I hoped they might be. Our relationships that we have trusted in have experienced brokenness or failure. Our kids or our grandchildren aren't, aren't living the lives that we hoped they would live, sometimes because of, of their choices, sometimes because of the choices of their parents, sometimes because of just the community they're in, that they feel the stress and strain of what it means to be in this culture. Sometimes the jobs, the very jobs that we depend on to provide uh, this lifestyle uh, for our families are also the same jobs that because of the hours that we work or the travel that we take, uh, take us away from the very people that we want to care for and provide for. Uh, that foundational things, those foundational decisions don't always feel foundational. Sometimes we feel shaken. Uh, when we feel this way, one thing, again, I want us to be reminded of is that we're not alone. In the U.S., uh, as people have watched this epidemic of mental illness uh, kind of creep across our culture, uh, statisticians are saying that half of, of adults in the United States at some point in their life will directly be affected uh, by mental illness, uh, whether in their early adult life or whether late in life as, as things like dementia and other things creep in, that that we will experience some mental suffering tied directly uh, to mental illness. So half of adults. Well, which means that either you directly, uh, we directly, individually might be affected by it, or uh, we are likely to be those caring for someone uh, who is suffering from mental illness. We'll all be touched by this. Uh, and yet, it's not something we like to talk about. Uh, a dad, uh, one time when talking about his son who was struggling with mental illness, I uh, said, you know, it would be easier almost and not just to talk about it uh, if he was uh, suffering from something more visible. Uh, if he had, uh, you know, a physical ailment or something like even cancer, I could at least talk about it. I could go run a 5K and raise, raise money for research to, to help a family. Uh, but when, he, when he's diagnosed with bipolar, I hide these things. I feel shame in these things. I feel like this is not something I can share. I can't run a 5K. Uh, to raise awareness for my son's uh, mental struggles. Uh, the young people in our community and our culture are facing this at rising levels. In fact, uh, what uh, doctors and, and mental health experts are saying is that millennials and our youth and kids are suffering this at staggering rates compared to the previous generation. Uh, suicide rates are increasing at um, really just untenable rates uh, over the course of, uh, since 2001 till 2017, uh, people, 30, suicide rates have increased by 30% over the last 20 years. It is something that is becoming epidemic in our culture and community. And yet again, uh, not something we're always willing to talk about. Uh, there are several documentaries out right now on Netflix and other places about uh, mental illness. One is on uh, HBO. It's called A Dangerous Son. And it's, it talks about uh, the journey that many parents take uh, when their children are suffering from mental illness uh, and that is leading to violence and other uh, acting out in their schools and their communities and how they're struggling with what to do. 
Uh, here's a short clip from that film, uh, Dangerous Son, that I want us to watch together. Let's watch. If your child has cancer, the whole community rallies around you. But mental illness is not a casserole disease. Nobody brings you a casserole when your child's in the acute care psychiatric hospital. There was a time when you spoke only in hushed terms of people with serious physical illnesses like cancer. She's got cancer, you know? And today, you know, anywhere you go, somebody's having a fundraiser for somebody with cancer. You know, we're having rallies. We're doing things that are very, very inspiring. And people give great testimonials about the way they've fought battles and overcome these serious physical ailments, whether it's cancer or diabetes or, or any sort of disease. We need, we need to do the same thing with mental illness. So the call there is for us to have these conversations. And so part of why we've chosen to do this today, again, is not because it's easy, because it's important uh, for us to, uh, in the church in particular, raise some of the veil on these conversations uh, so we might have them more openly. Again, we won't solve all those things today. We won't uh, dive into all the places and spaces, but my hope is that we will at least begin to talk about it. Um, one of the places, again, we're going to go back to is Scripture, and this has been something that's been happening for a millennia. It's not a new thing. People feel the weight of expectation, the weight of life uh, for thousands of years. Uh, as you heard uh, Dixie read a minute ago, one of those folks uh, was Moses. Uh, Moses, who uh, is a hero of the faith. Moses, who is uh, one of the uh, primary heroes, his, heroes of Israel, who led God's people uh, out of slavery in Egypt, who set them free from physical slavery, one who should be revered and celebrated. Moses uh, felt this weight. And this is what Moses says in Numbers 11, uh, verse 14 through 15, as he's leading God's people through uh, the wilderness and finding a place where he's struggling to lead well. This is what he says. He says, I am not able to carry all this people alone, for they are too heavy for me. If this is the way you're going to treat me, uh, put me to death at once. If I have found favor in your sight, and do not let me see my misery. Moses, seeing the weight of those around him, feeling the burden of care, feeling the burden of leadership, feeling the burden of the wilderness through which he is journeying, uh, says to God, uh, I would be better off to no longer be part of this world. And not only would I be better off, but, but those around me would be better off if I'm not here. That's what Moses felt. Now, I have had uh, the unfortunate um, opportunity uh, to, uh, to serve uh, funerals for those who have completed suicide. And I'll tell you, one of the things that I hear over and over again can really be boiled down many times to two different themes. Um, one comes from family members and, and friends of those who have completed suicide, and it often goes something like this. I wish they knew how much they were loved, even when they did things they felt were not worth loving. I wish they knew how much they were loved even when they did things that were not worth loving. The second thing sounds something like this, and often it's a response to a sentiment they hope everyone will hear, which is that a suicide is a permanent solution to a temporary problem. And their response to that is this, there is nothing that we can't get through together. 
I wish they knew there was nothing that we can't get through together. And I will tell you that as I think about how we go through this and how God responds to us in our depths, uh, when things are heavy, when things are dark, when, uh, when we don't feel like we can take another step or move forward through another day, I think God's offering to us is very similar. And the first offering is that. I think that God's first offering to us is I wish that they had known how much I love them, uh, even when they did things that they felt were not worth loving. You know, this past summer, we spent a whole summer going through the book of Judges, and, and over and over again, that cycle we came back to again and again was just a reminder that the people of Israel, one after the other after the other, would turn away from God. They would turn away from obedience to God, they would turn to their own ways, and they would fall from God, and yet every time, God would send somebody to them to bring them back and say, I still love you. I still want to be with you. I still want you to be part of my family. I still want to restore you. Earlier this morning at 8.15, we had communion, and one of the promises of the liturgy of communion is that even when our love fails, God's love remains steadfast. Even when we fall short, God's love never falls short. And one thing I hope that we will hear uh, as God's people uh, this morning is, is that sentiment, that even when we mess up, even when we fall short, even when it's our choices that lead us far from God and far from each other, uh, there's a God that never stops pursuing us. The, the heart of the gospel is a God that when we felt far away, God came near. That's the story of Christmas. Jesus is a story where God came near to us when we could not come near to God. That's how God works. Is even when we're not able, God, God draws close to us to remind us that we are still loved, we are still valued, we are still daughters and sons of God, we are still part of God's family. David in Psalm 13, this is how he names this. This is Psalm 13, verse, verse 5. Uh, when he says, after this lament, but I trusted in your steadfast love. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. He says, I trusted in your steadfast love. David, at his darkest moments, the reason he was able to rejoice, the reason he was able to take a new step, a new day, was because David trusted in God's steadfastness. Not, not David's faithfulness, God's faithfulness. That's how David was able to move forward. The second thing is this, this promise that we can get through anything together. And I think that's something that I hope that we'll again hear very well, is that we can't get through this without each other. We were designed to do this, and uh, <clears throat> Dr. Joyce Berland, who is the Director of Education, Training, and Peer Support uh, at NAMI, which is the National Alliance of Mental Illness, says this about mental illness. She says, our cultural understanding of mental illness is that you are just not trying hard enough. Uh, we never say that about cancer or heart disease. America thinks mental illness is something that can get self-corrected, and that is a vast misunderstanding. In Numbers chapter 11, after Moses cries out to God and says, God, I can't bear this anymore, uh, this is God's response. This is verse 16 and 17. It says, So the Lord said to Moses, Gather for me 70 of the elders of Israel, whom you know to be the elders of the people and officers over them. Bring them to the tent of meeting and have them take their place there with you. I will come down and talk with you there. I will take some of the spirit that is on you and put it on them, and they shall bear the burden of the people along with you so that you will not bear it all by yourself. So that you will not bear it all by yourself. That's how God designs community. That's how God designs family. That's how God designs particularly covenant community when people come together with a promise for each other 
so that as we go through life's trials, as we feel the weight of this, so that we will not bear it by ourselves. <clears throat> part of why I shared the website this morning was, was some of the resources that we offer. And, um, and part of what we hope is that um, as you see these, um, and John, I think yeah, you got a picture of the website as well uh, on the screens, um, that this really will be a resource uh, for us. Uh, on there, there are counseling and professional support resources. And so again, a part of what we recognize is there's things that even we as pastors are not trained uh, to engage with. And so we'll often refer people uh, to counselors in our area. Uh, some of the, the, the partnerships that we have are listed there. And so if you're looking for a place to get professional counseling or help, uh, there are support resources there. Uh, the other thing that you'll see are conversation resources. Uh, these are not in your bulletin, but they are online. Uh, one thing we've had parents ask us for and, and things that I found very helpful is professionally done resources where if you need to talk to your kids or your family about uh, mental health uh, or about suicide or these things, there are uh, family resources there that you can draw from and, and, and use, again, professionally done uh, by mental health experts uh, that have provided those. <clears throat> and the last one are support groups uh, that are part of our church family. Again, part of that spirit about doing this alone is that we do have groups of folks who have been through uh, some journeys uh, together, and so they are are groups that gather together to, to talk about grief, to talk about a broken relationship and divorce, uh, to talk about uh, what it means to, to have cancer, to, to fight disease, to uh, be going through even things like uh, MS and, and other, other parts of their journey that they can, can journey with each other to, to help lift each other up in those heavy times. And so a part of our hope is that, that you might find a community like that if you're looking for that. Uh, we also have Stephen Ministers. Some will be here this morning if you're curious. Uh, Stephen Ministers are just trained lay people uh, who are trained to go through this journey uh, with us. Uh, sort of a holy friendship that we can journey together. <clears throat> and so my hope is that we will, we will use these things. And really my prayer uh, this morning uh, is that we would know again uh, that God loves us. We would know again that we're never alone, that there's no place too deep that God won't chase after us. And that there's a community around us that is covenanting to journey alongside each, each of us. And I'm going to close with these words from Romans chapter 8, verses 38 through 39. And this is what Paul is saying as Paul is, is journeying through his own struggles, his own challenges. And he names this um, for the, the, the church in Rome when he says this. This is Romans 8, 38 and 39. Paul writes, For I'm convinced that neither death uh, nor life nor angels nor rulers uh, nor things present nor things to come nor powers nor height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Let me pray for us this morning. Let's pray. Almighty God, as we gather here this morning, we do pray that your Holy Spirit would be present among us, that you would remind us of your ever-presence with us, how you journey beside us in the times of, of suffering and in the times of joy, and that we are, when we are at our deepest or our darkest, Lord, you are there that you never leave us. Your love never forsakes us. Even when we, when we turn away and, and our love fails, your love never fails. So Lord, this morning, we pray that we would recognize that, we'd be reminded of that, and that we'd have the courage to take the next step. And Lord, where we need help, that we would seek help. That we'd have the courage and, uh, to step out and, and say, um, come alongside me, whoever that person may need to be. That we might offer that to those that are hurting, that we would be patient and kind and gracious and generous that we would be slow to become angry, slow to judge, and quick to offer our compassion as we surround a community that is often hurting uh, with your love, uh, your light, 
your hope, your peace. Lord, help us be a brave people, us seeking to follow you in all that we do. In Christ's holy name, amen.